Hey, everybody, welcome to Crunch Time 2.0. Frank Bull and I are going to talk a little bit about the Kansas City Chiefs. Everybody wants to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, Frank, and what a great start, 5-0. and I hate to be the guy that says that maybe I predicted 3-3 three and three or 4-2 hey. and two at the best, but 5-0, and oh, Frank, never thought they'd be 5-0 and oh after that schedule. I predicted two and four, so I'm, I'm way below you, pal. And once they had ripped off a few wins, I'm going, I'm never going to bet against this team the rest of the season, and I haven't. Well, you know what? I mean, it really is coming down to a, a couple things, and obviously one is uh, Patrick Mahomes. What a what a great start he's had. Now, he showed that he was human in this last game, but you guys got to remember out there that, listen, Jacksonville is the best defense in the league by far. Uh, the second is a long way away from Jacksonville. They have probably the fastest uh, uh, defensive backs. They can rotate in seven or eight guys and not really miss a beat up front. Their linebackers are serviceable. Uh, so that's a really good defense. And I thought Andy Reid had a good plan. Uh, I also thought that Patrick Mahomes tried to force a couple things. And, you know, the, the art of the bootleg, I think that's what we need to start today. And, and really both teams use the art of the bootleg or the bootleg concept against each other in this game. And it's kind of interesting if you watch through the NFL, there, there are certain times that certain concepts rear their ugly heads. And the boot usually comes around right around the fourth or fifth or sixth game because now you see – the aggressiveness of defense, and you see some of the things that defensive ends and some of the linebackers would flow to the run or trying to drop and get into get into their curl zones with the linebackers or the safeties rolling over when the quarterback opens up. So there are opportunities to run the boot, and I thought you saw the Chiefs do that pretty well to start the game, which slowed the defense down a tiny bit. But with the boot, especially when you're running boot right, which most teams do because the quarterback is righty, and the run plays usually tend to go to the right. So when you're rotating around, you got to switch your legs around, you got to switch your hips around, you got to switch your shoulders around to deliver the ball. And a lot of times you get force plays because they have time to kind of catch up if you don't get them clean with the fake. So I think that's what we saw a little bit with Patrick Mahomes. There were times when he got his hips around maybe a little bit too late or he got his shoulders around a little bit too late, Frank, and he threw the ball into traffic and guys made plays. And when you play against a good defensive backfield, they're going to make plays on those balls. Yeah, they will. The, and the other thing for him, he just wasn't quite as sharp as he's been. And, you know, the fact that they still go and they take care of this team and they're up they're up 20 nothing at halftime, you know what I mean, against a football team like this. And you got Blake Bortles playing back there. You're not really that – he's not really that impressive a guy. He can have great games. But the Chiefs defense to me too was right on top of this thing. I mean, to me that was a big deal with their four turnovers, they had one pick six, they had three other interceptions. It was, uh, it was just incredible. And they did a lot of it in the red zone. Like they've been known – to be this way in the past, you know, they, you know, in the middle of the field, they just let the team sort of run all over them. All of a sudden, they get, you know, with their backs to the wall, they're in the twenty or the fifteen or the ten, and they sort of bull their necks and get after it. And I think the Chiefs' defense was also because of the penalties we saw, penalties you don't like to see. But I think they've been told for so long, not just this season, but they've been hearing it for so long about how soft they are. This is a soft football team, and Andy said we're not going to let anybody push us around. And you could tell he delivered that message during the week. Well, I was lucky enough to be on the sidelines banging the drum you before did. the game. You did. Congratulations on banging the drum. Which was a lot of fun. And I thank the Chiefs and you know, everybody involved over there for inviting me down there. And, and I was able to kind of 
kind of get a feel for the sideline, get a feel for the warm-ups, and you could tell that there was a little bit different vibe uh, on the field from the Kansas City Chiefs, especially on the defensive side. Those guys look like they were motivated, look like they were fired up, look like they were tired of hearing that you know they're kind of the stepchildren of this team. And I think that uh, Andy Reid, whether he did it consciously or unconsciously, you know, told this team, hey, listen, you know, it, these guys we're playing against on the other side, the other defense, they claim to be the best, and they think that you're not very good. And, and an NFL player, you know, sometimes you have to motivate guys and, and, and you have to get guys kind of focused in a little bit. And I thought that the Chiefs were focused in. I thought that they were ready to go on both sides of the ball, but especially on the defensive side. You know, Jacksonville has a couple injuries and there's a couple guys that are out, but that, that offense has, you know, produced this year. And for the Chiefs to basically shut them out for most of the game, that was really impressive. And, and, and you know what? And the other thing that I saw, Frank, that I thought was really important, and it's something that's going to have to be important as the season progresses, is that when the, the Chiefs turn the ball over, Patrick Mahomes throws an interception, and then D. Ford gets around the corner with a nice pass rush and hits the ball out and causes a fumble, and they get on the fumble. So right away, the Chiefs went and got the ball back. And the, for the defense to kind of carry the offense, and just in that little microsecond of a, of a play, in that little part of a game, in that little part of a, of a quarter, really said a lot to that offense. If we make a mistake, our defense can make up for it. Right. And that's the first time I've seen that this year. And that's huge. That's really big because now an offense, an offensive coordinator, a quarterback, a running back, offensive line, they know, hey, if we make a mistake, our defense has got our back. Even if they haven't done it before, they have finally did it, and now there's a feel that, hey, if, if we do make a mistake and we're trying to make a play, our defense will make up for it. Right, and I also think during the week that Andy really got it into their heads. Not only is everybody calling you soft, it's just not Jacksonville. You're going to end up facing – our offense is going to end up facing number one defense. And everybody in the league is saying you're soft. You know, the other thing he's saying is, you know what? They could disrupt our offense. We need you this week. We really need – I mean, we need you every week. You're right. We really need you this week, okay? Because this defense could come in and really, really do some damage. The other most amazing thing for me, the Chiefs are 5-0 and on the coin toss, okay? They've <laughs> deferred for five straight weeks. And I think Jacksonville went out and got one first down, I think, before they had to punt. They had to, they had a first down at 34, and they couldn't quite get the next first down. They had to punt – they, and then Kansas City turns around. That's when Patrick Mahomes ran the ball in, into the end zone. They're up 7 to nothing. They have outscored their opponents, uh, uh, you know, in the first quarter, despite the fact they actually give the opposition one extra offensive possession. They have outscored them 59-9 to nine in the first quarter. Let me, let me get- it has been absolutely Unbelievable. Let me give you guys a little secret. If you're ever, for young guys or people who are li- listening out there, if you have the opportunity to go out for a coin toss and you have the ability to take the ball or kick off or defer, always defer and hope that they want the ball. Because according to Lou Holtz, and I hit, you know, this is what he used to say all the time. Said, Men, 64% of the time, the second team who has the ball scores. And it's true because if you go out, and the Kansas City Chiefs have done a really nice job really in these these first drives of games yes absolutely so you 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 don't let a team get a first down or maybe one first down you're getting good field position and when you get good field position in the nfl the nfl is all about field position the nfl is all about and listen you're gonna make a mistake here or there in a drive but you have less chances of making a mistake when you don't have to go 80 yards 
or 90 yards. If you only have to go 70 yards or 60 yards, you would be you would be very surprised at the different percentage of people who score from going having a 60-yard drive to an 80-yard drive. I mean, it's 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 just un, it's it's hard to explain how many more score when you only have to go 65 or 70 yards instead of having to go 80 or 85 yards because defenses eventually will cause an offense to make a mistake or they'll get a stop. And if you have an extra 15 or 20 yards because your defense held, you get the ball in good field position and you can go down and score. And that's what the Chiefs have done on their first drives. They've had a lot of success. And I really think that has a lot to do with, with Andy Reid. And, and I don't know if they have a first 15 like we used to have where you – where right. We used to go out there and, okay, here's our first 15. We're going to try and stay kind of uh, in, in the list, and we're going to go down the list. And, you know, and, and these coaches, offensive coordinators especially, they love to try to stay right in that list, all those plays, because they think they're so smart that they could, they could plan out <laughs> the first 15 plays of the game. But, um, but the one thing that I think they do is they understand what concept and what package they want to come out in and what they want to do, and they're, they're well-schooled in it, and they know exactly what the defense is going to do against it through film study, through practice, through game planning. And uh, the Chiefs have been able to do that very successfully. you got to give Andy Reid, and you have to give the whole offensive staff a lot of credit, but especially the players you got to yeah. give credit because they've done a great job of executing the, the, the game plan. I would tell you the other thing that I've seen, too, um, with this offense and the way they operate and the way they get downfield and the players you've got to watch and for how long you've got to watch them. And for how deep downfield they can get. It, by the second half, the defense is worn out. The opponent's defense is worn out. Ramsey was worn out the other day trying to watch Tyree Kill or anybody else was coming around trying to get out of the backfield. Trying to watch the tight end 25, 30 yards down the field. Because you know the kid playing quarterback, you can't stop running because it doesn't matter how far down the field Tyree Kill gets. He can get him the football. That's what makes him so dangerous. And then he's running around the backfield, changing directions, doing whatever he's doing. You've got to watch out for that kid taking off and running with the football too. So I think the defenses are just worn out by the end of the game. And I think that's going to happen this week too against New England. Oh, absolutely. You know, the Kansas City Chiefs, really the whole team, it, you know, that was a tough game. It was one of those games where it's kind of a valley game. You're coming off a Monday night game, a big game in Denver, coming back, winning in the fourth quarter. Nine out of ten teams that I played on, you come back after a Monday night game, you have the Monday night hangover. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you know, you, as much as you uh, mentally uh, think you're in the game physically, because I'll give you guys an example of what an NFL week is all about. You play on Sunday. Well, you know, Sunday the adrenaline and just the whole, you know, the excitement of the game. You don't feel some of the aches and pains. But you wake up on Monday morning is when you start to feel that. Well, you go in on Monday morning, you get a little workout, you go see the trainer, you go do a little bit of running, you watch film, and then you kind of walk through some things. So you're doing a little bit of stuff. You're getting that lactic acid out and all those kind of things. You're getting it out, and, uh, and, and you feel okay as Monday evening comes around. When you wake up Tuesday morning, it's your day off. The NFL has Tuesdays off. So Tuesday morning you wake up, and you feel like you got hit by a truck. And a lot of guys will go in and get some extra treatment, or you know, it's, it's a family day, and you're trying to you know, play with the kids and do all those kind of things. So then you go on Wednesday, and you have your first full pad practice. Now, I don't know if they even have full pads anymore, but this is when I was playing. You'd go in, you'd have a, a practice, a pretty physical practice on Wednesday, a pretty physical practice on Thursday, and then Friday would roll around, and you would be kind of in shells or just in shorts and shoulder pads. And your body just about that point starts to feel kind of back to normal. And you wake up on Saturday, and you go in, and you have – watch some film, you have a little breakfast, you do a little walkthrough, you go through kind of the game plan and all those kind of things, and you start to feel good and you start over again on Sunday. When you miss one day, 
that's a big thing. You are missing one of those 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 days that you your body is used to having its little break. It's used to having its its uh, its little uh, kind of healing time, and it's hard. So the Monday night hangover isn't particularly because you played a tough game. It's just your body takes that all six to seven days to kind of get back and recharge and get ready to play again. So that's why they call it the Monday uh, night hangover. So for them to come back after you know a huge game against Denver, and then knowing they're playing on Sunday night against New England, even though Jacksonville's a great football team, right. and they were in the AFC Championship last year, there's always that overlook or that hangover that we've seen with the Chiefs before, oh, Frank. absolutely. That's a typical game where they just fall apart, okay? And, and the whole thing for me is, thank God it was Jacksonville, and it wasn't Cleveland, yeah, even absolutely. though Cleveland's playing way better or yeah. somebody else you really don't care much about. Thank goodness that was Jacksonville because that – Jacksonville really had their attention. And, again, Andy always says, hey, the end of the year, you know, we could either be playing here or we could be playing in Jacksonville. Where the heck do you want to play when, you know, if we go to the playoffs? We want to have home field advantage. We want to bring everybody here that we can't even know their home field advantage for playoffs isn't really very, very good here. They've only won two games in the um, in the playoffs here at home, two home playoff wins. That's not a very good record, but I think they have a different feel for this year too. And, and the other thing I wanted to talk about was the – after we've seen it now for five weeks and we sort of felt it coming last season with this Patrick Mahomes-Andy Reid deal. And I, I think the reason – one of the main reasons he has great physical talent, Patrick Mahomes. There's no doubt about that. Kid has a rocket for an arm. He's a very athletic kid. I think the main reason that Andy Reid saw this kid in a different light and made the big move to move up to get him is this kid has a photographic mind. He is so smart, and he works so hard to be great. He's not one of these kids that just takes for granted and just sucks out the coach and maybe like a Brett Favre used to do a little bit, and that's the difference between the two of them. Is Brett would just go, oh, Coach, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. This kid listens to Andy. You can see him sitting together during the game on the sidelines. I think that's really important. But this kid just sort of knows. He, You tell him something, he sees something, and he never forgets. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and one of the things also that Patrick Mahomes has been able to do, and I – was lucky enough to go up and sit in the hunt box after we, you know, you do this little ceremony and you get to go Whoa. sit up in the hunt box, which was nice. Yeah, and sitting right next to me was, uh, by the way, the matriarch Norma Hunt. Uh, she was there, and you guys, it was so much fun watching her excitement. She's probably watched a thousand football oh, games easy. over the years, and and to hear her hooping and hollering after every big play was awesome. And, and she was in it, and she was excited. And, uh, you know, the, you see some of the younger guy interns and stuff like, wow, look at Mrs. Hunt over there. She's whooping and hollering. <laughs> but I did. I was I was able to talk to a big-time executive from the Chiefs, and I got to tell you what's going on. I, I didn't ask him if I could tell this story, but he was talking about Patrick Mahomes and saying, you know, the kid just gets it. Uh, you know, he grew up kind of in some of the things we've talked about before. Yeah, right. that his I, dad I just, being a professional baseball player. All the people yeah. he met, his relationship with Derek Jeter. You just go, what? <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, he's been in the locker room, the clubhouse in, in baseball. He's been around. He, he sees how to carry their, himself. You know, he sees what people do that is good and what people do that isn't quite good. Uh, and the one thing that this guy said to me, which I thought really tells a lot about who Patrick Mahomes is, as as a basically a rookie or a second year guy, he is the leader of that team, and that is hard to do. First of all, you have to earn your stripes in the NFL. Right. It doesn't matter who you are or when you were drafted or how much money you're making. You have to earn your stripes. This is part of it. And for the veteran guys to say, "Hey, listen, this guy." 
you know, he, he gets those stripes right away because he gets it. He knows what he's doing. He, he, he shows us on the field. He shows us off the field. He shows us in the meeting room, in the classroom, uh, in the film room that he can carry himself correctly and he could be an example for others. And this guy was saying nothing but just great things about the way Patrick Mahomes is behind the scenes. So a little bit of behind the scenes stuff from the Kansas City Chiefs. They are so impressed with, yeah, they're impressed with the way he plays on the field. Sure. Yeah, they're impressed. Which is important. Yeah, they're, important. they're impressed with the way that, the way that you know, he, he, he's, he's won these football games. But they're even more impressed with the way that he's taken this team. And I said this to him, and, and I truly believe this. Patrick Mahomes hasn't taken this team on his shoulders. He's taken this team in his spirit. He's taking this team, and, and he's flying with this team and bringing his spirit to this team. And I'll give you a prime example. I was sitting with Sarah. And she's been to 500 games. If, Nor- if sure. Norma's been to 1,000, she's been to 500. <laughs> okay, so she was sitting there and she said, hey, look at Patrick Mahomes right now. And it was the fourth quarter. And he was standing with his helmet uh, over on the bench with a towel in his hand trying to get the crowd involved and cheering with the crowd and getting everybody involved and just being kind of a cheerleader for that defense. And she's like, I can't believe that this 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 star quarterback, he's acting like, you know, he's at, like he's at a high school football game. That's he right. loves it. He loves he loves that involvement. And, and believe me, that doesn't go unnoticed by the guys on the other side or the guys in the other bus. As you know, the offense is in one bus and the defense oh, yeah. is in the other bus. And there's a lot of times when offensive guys, when I was playing, they didn't want to go anywhere near that defensive bus. <laughs> and I would go over on the defensive bus and sit in the back with Derek and Neil, and, and I would take the flock, and I would say, okay, well, let me have it. Let's get it off your chest. Because, I mean, they were solid and we weren't scoring points. And But, you know, they, they, we had something we could kind of mend together. But – Right now, those buses, you can intermix those buses because this team is really all together. Yeah, they really are. And, and the other thing, yeah, he was over there leading. None of them have a He was doing the jumping jacks. Like, yeah, that's on, exactly come right. Come on, hurry up, get him. It was great. And, and the other thing is, too, I think they found out early. I mean, obviously, he was a rookie coming in last season, before last season. They draft him. He starts coming to the OTAs, and they hear him talk. And right away, they're on him. About, you know football players. Right away, they find a chink in the arm. And go, Kermit the Frog. Oh, this guy. Okay. Oh, this is great. And, they're all, and I'm sure they're all imitating him. But the kid has fun with it. He It doesn't bother him. And the other clear indication this kid was going to be the way he is this year is they get rid of the number one rated quarterback in the NFL and go to this kid. You can hear one complaint. Yeah. You heard a lot of people say, hey, we loved Alex. He was great. Good guy. Let our team all the best. We'll see you, but we're going forward with this kid. Yeah, and and you know, let even go farther than that. When you want to talk about young guys that are playing, you know, Derek Nott, he played. He played well. Uh, Speaks played. I thought he played well. Uh, you know, Tyreek Hill still a younger guy. Yeah, uh, Conley's still a younger guy. Uh, really, there's a lot of young guys on this team, and and just another comment, you know, because I was sitting with Sarah the whole game, and she's like, "Man, I can't believe how many young kids there are. They're only like 23, 24, 25 years old." Yeah, and uh, you know that that's amazing that the Chiefs have been able to do that. But there's a big test coming up, Frank, and we'll talk yeah, about we'll talk so- about that a little bit later. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about some of the issues that the Kansas City Chiefs defense has shown that the New England Patriots are really going to take advantage of. Yeah, they are. And They're you know, going to take care of some things on uh, against the offense as well. Uh, uh, because, you know, th- this team is nick- nicked up. They're going to have to start, you know, mixing and changing stuff. You know, you talked about Speaks. He's really going to have to come forward because Justin Houston will not play. And then all of a sudden, the other thing, D4 is having a great year. Well, now what's New England do? Oh, we'll go concentrate on 55. We don't have to worry about it. the other guy's not there. We won't talk about that. We have a great guest coming up next 
Yeah, we have Priest Holmes coming on. He's and, coming and I'm, on. I'm really interested to ask Priest, and and I've really been kind of just excited when I found out that he'd come on the show. I want to ask him what it's like to have so many weapons around you, and maybe you're not getting as many touches as you want, but when you get the ball, how does that feel? What What's what's your mindset? Because right now you're watching Kareem Hunt, who I think is having a great year, by oh, the way. Oh, yeah, he is. But it, but nobody's noticed him. Hmm. I mean, I think he's probably in the top. You correct me if I'm wrong, but he's in the top five in rushing in the in the NFL right now, and nobody's even talking about him. So we'll talk to him a little bit about that and talk about what he's up to. And you know, they had a pretty good offense too when he was. Oh, here. they were great, absolutely. So Priest Holmes is next on Crunch Time, Kansas City's hometown sports station, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back to Crunch Time, everyone. This next guest, one of my favorite players from the Kansas City Chiefs all time. An undrafted free agent, probably the greatest undrafted free agent ever in the history of the Kansas City Chiefs. Played with Baltimore, 97 to 2000. Kansas City from 2001 through 2007. Uh, he was on Baltimore Super Bowl 35 winning team. Three times in the Pro Bowl. Three time, first time All-Pro. NFL Offensive Player of the Year in 2002. Two-time NFL rushing TDs leader in 2002 and 2003. NFL rushing leader in 2001. And he is in the KC Chiefs Hall of Fame. He is in the University of Texas Hall of Honor and also Texas High School Football Hall of Fame. He is the one and the only Mr. Priest. That's right. And Priest, one of the things that just kills me is you weren't about four years earlier. (laughs) <laughs> and you could have been with us with the uh, with the Chiefs. We would have won a Super Bowl with you, Priest, if we had you at running back. Priest, thanks so much for coming on. And, uh, you know, what an exciting year right now for the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, I, I, the first thing I want to ask you, and, and, I, and I know a lot of people out there are kind of thinking the same thing, your cream hunt. And you led the league in rushing last year, and you were the kind of the phenom, the the rookie of the year uh, candidate and rookie of the year guy from the AFC. And then all of a sudden, you're not maybe getting the touches you want. What is the mindset of a running back when you have all these different weapons, the offense is scoring a bunch, but you're maybe not getting the touches that you did the year before? Yeah, you know, I actually experienced that my first year coming into Kansas City. So uh, if you recall, Tony Richardson was the starting running back at the time that I was coming in. He had just been converted from fullback over to running back. And I know the first two games starting out, I, I'm i sure I didn't have any more than six to seven carries those first two games. You know, I even looked up, uh, dumbfounded, like trying to figure out, I, I believe you all brought me in to be the starting running back, but for some reason I'm not getting the carries. And, again, it took until the Washington game before that happened. But when you look at the situation that's in front of the Chiefs now, the way that the ball is being spread around, I think any player feels excited, even though I may not be getting the carries, we're being productive because the ball is going to someone else to get the to get that touchdown. So it could be twofold that way. I think for Kareem Hunt, he could be a little bit frustrated because I know he's trying to follow up that freshman or that first year campaign as a rookie and he definitely wants to get back into that leading the rush in the NFL, um, but it's going to take him some time. And I think that if he's just patient as far as his position, uh, those plays will come back to him. Priest, interesting you say that about patience. And, you know, the NFL players do not have very good patience. It's kind of in us. It's just kind of who we are. We're not very patient people. But, you know, when your number is called and you get, you're get you in that huddle and the play is called, is, is there times when you think that – and I've kind of noticed this a little bit with, with Kareem – 
that you get that touch and you, you want to make a big play. You want that home run, and maybe you're trying to force things a little bit, and you're missing maybe a cut or you're missing maybe a, uh, where the hole is developed because in your mind you're like, if I'm only getting it a couple times, so I better take advantage of it. Well, you know, I just think that when you look at last season compared to this season, it, it just seems that the plays came a lot easier and the plays came to Kareem a lot faster. And I, it's not that I don't believe that it's not that he's from a lack of position not uh, hitting the play at the right time. I just think that the scheme of defenses this year are definitely taking account into what his productivity was last year and how they can try to eliminate. I think that every yard that he's earned this season, he has definitely earned every bit of it. And I'm assuming each game that he's come out of this year, the first five games, he's come out a little bruised up, banged up. But I think also what he needs to do, obviously, on this tail end once they get to eight games, is really being patient and allowing the, the run game to come to him. Because now that he sees what Mahomes – ability is and how he's able to spread the ball across the offensive players, it's going to be a lot more easier for him to kind of pick and choose the times that he needs to be able to exploit the defense. And right now, he's getting that three yards in a cloud of dust, but I think it's going to be exciting this tail end of the season once they get to the, the eighth game um, because all seasons are determined in December, regardless of how you start, you got to finish off strong. And I'm just excited to see where the guys are at right now and about this weekend when they get ready to play. When you got a guy like Patrick Mahomes back there who's just making so many plays and doing so many great things and getting the ball down the field, and, and uh, you know, you don't want to be that guy, obviously, as an offensive lineman to, you know, to give up that hit, give up that sack. But it's just as important for a running back. And one of the things that the Chiefs have done is taking Spencer Ware kind of in passing situations for blitz pickup and for pass protection stuff and putting him in there. Uh, talk to us a little bit about kind of making that, that maturation process of going from a running back in college uh, to a running back in the NFL, but then taking that next step of being a pass protector when you're called upon doing it. Yeah, you know, when it comes to becoming a third down back, I think there's so much value that teams and coaches put on that particular position. Obviously, Spencer can come in. It's one of those positions where, for a running back, you come in first and second down. There's not a lot of thinking in terms of what is the defense going to do from a standpoint of it being a passing down. You're looking at it more of, let me get the proper technique, footwork, and let me hit the hole. Well, when it comes down to third down, the reason why it's so valuable for a third down back is that not only is he's got to be aware of what the linebackers are doing, he has to be aware of what the secondary is doing as well, and knowing where the rush is going to come from. Because, again, when it's third and three, third and two, you only get that one down, and you can't go forward until you get the first down. So I think where definitely after coming off of an injury, he's still a valuable component because it also takes that pressure off of Hunt so that on a third down you have another back coming in and kind of take that pressure and understanding that I have to be a crucial part of making sure there's not an extra hit on the quarterback. And as far as just making that transition from college into the league, you know, I think it's um, – mainly that first summer camp, it, it really introduces you into what you have to do. And I think most players, what they understand is that the game of football is at a different level, it's at a different speed, and it requires a different mental thought that it takes to be able to play the game. And I think that's what either breaks a player or allows them to go to the next level and it's in terms of their discipline and how they're going to get better each day. We're talking with Chiefs Hall of Fame running back, Priest Holmes. Priest, I'm interested to find out uh, what you think about Patrick Mahomes and, and how much you might have seen him in college when he was at Texas Tech. And did you see this, if you did see him in college, did you see this coming? 
Well, you know, not necessarily did I see it coming um, at this level. I definitely knew that Mahomes was very talented. The thing that I could only think back is when I had a chance at the University of Texas to play alongside Ricky Williams. Ricky was about two years younger than me. He came in along with Sean Mitchell, who was a junior transfer from Blaine College. But I, I, I can relate the two between Mahomes and Ricky Williams in terms of the fact that they were a two-sport individual that was coming into college. They came into college a little bit different than the normal guy that comes in as a blue-chip player. He gets a scholarship. You know he's going to be there for three to four years, and he's going to have an opportunity to prove himself to start. I just think the acumen and in terms of the way that Mahomes and Ricky viewed football and what their approach was was a little bit different because they were a two-sport athlete, and they were at a high level to where when they were going to college, they were already had the opportunity to sign a professional baseball contract. So I just think just – it just changes the mentality between those types of athletes and athletes that are coming in purely off of one sport. Um, does it take away either side in terms of the ability? No, but I just think that the, the mental maturity possibly could be at a different level, and I think that's what we're seeing uh, this particular year with Mahomes in the backfield and running the offense. There's a certain maturity. They, they talk about the baby face. They talk about the hair. Um, none of those things mean anything when you're playing football and you're competing and you're executing. I know that Mahomes always talked about his weapons. He's very aware of the weapons, not only that he has on the field with the different players like Kelsey, Kareem Hunt, but he also understands what's in his tool belt. And I think that's the difference, that he has so many different ways that he can hurt a defense because of his acumen and his ability to understand the um, the offensive side of the ball. You know, early in your career when you were with the Baltimore Ravens, you were obviously on a team that went on and won the Super Bowl. And, as that team kind of matured and as that team came together during the season and obviously in the offseason, but during the season, is there anything you could see with this team, this Kansas City Chief team, that maybe can give us a hope that they're coming together a little like that team did and have an opportunity to go on and do some great things in the playoffs? Well, you know, it's so different because with Dilfer, who was our quarterback at that particular time, of going on to play the Giants in Super Bowl 35, we had an offensive team that we knew was good. We knew that we could move the ball with Jamal Lewis. We knew that third downs, I would come in and be able to try to secure uh, that backside to make sure that there was not a blitz or any pressure coming on that side. But the one thing that we stood on our offense was that, Trent, do not throw an interception, right? <laughs> and so if we could control the ball with the defense, and with Ray Lewis controlling that defense with Terrace, uh, Tony Saragusa plugged in the middle, it made a big difference. I see it kind of like a flip side because, again, the offensive side of the ball is such a tremendous weapon, and it can produce so many points, and it can produce it quickly. I always looked at the defense for the Kansas City Chiefs as one that bends but doesn't break. Over the past several years, they've broken down and therefore couldn't sustain the win when it came time for it. But now you're starting to see a little glimpse of the defense wanting to step up and make bigger plays, create those third-down turnovers, and it could definitely be a blessing to, to that side of the ball. But I think it's just a big difference. You know, I mean, we were definitely – we won with defense when I was with Baltimore, and I believe now, as you can see, Kansas City can definitely win with the offense. But to win a championship, obviously to get deep into those playoffs, your defense has to step up, and your defense has to be a, a supporting cast to win the game. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the Kansas City Chief defense. I know you've been watching them, and you've been you've been around a little bit. Um, you know, obviously, people are 
kind of down on the defense, although this week four turnovers and, you know, that was a pretty decent Jacksonville team they played against. They've been great on third down. They've given up yards. They've been tough in the red zone. But what do you see from this defense? Is this a defense that can grow and come together? It looks like one of the things that, that I've noticed is that you can see that this defense really – kind of wasn't on the same page early in the year for a lot of reasons. I think one is because the guys were, there were some guys who were hurt during training camp and they weren't able to play together and they finally are starting to communicate a little bit. But what do you see from this defense that, that you think could be a positive as the season progresses? Well, I think it's a positive is just getting the defense to, to get healthy, get some of their defensive uh, captains and weapons back on the field. I think that's going to be crucial uh, as the, the game progresses throughout these next couple of weeks. And then also, if I go back just a few games back when they played Denver, the biggest thing that I would have to say that has to change is that as a defense, you can't play cover two in the red zone. And Skandrick, you can't fall off after 10 yards when you know there's no one in the flats and you got to defend the end zone. Now, again, I'm going back to a play that was overthrown by the Denver quarterback to Thomas, but that could have changed that game, and then it could have changed the motivation behind what was happening uh, internally with the Chiefs. And so I think there's just some things that they definitely, of how I look at them as far as the defense that bends but doesn't break. Again, they definitely have been bending, but they have the ability to kind of stop that part where it turns them breaking coverages, and allowing passes to be made. Um, again, I've always thought that at the beginning that it was always going to be the secondary that was going to have to step up and really improve and play a tighter coverage. Uh, again, I'm not the defensive coordinator. I'm not calling plays. But I definitely know that the players on the defense side of the ball, they're definitely going to have an offense looking at them if they do not tighten up on the secondary. All right, we're talking with Priest Holmes. And Priest, you are uh, just joined the Ambassador crew, and we're very happy to have you. And talk to us a little bit about what you're doing. You know, I, I think one of the great facts that people don't know about Priest Holmes is when he was, what, 12 or 13 years old, you went up to Detroit, and all summer you're out there cutting lawns. So that must have been hot and probably one of those things that kind of said, I don't, I don't want to do this the rest of my life because it's a lot of hard work. So talk to us a little bit about that experience when you're going up, and I know that that was manual labor, working hard in Detroit as growing up, and what you're up to now. Well, you know, just, and just going back to that time in Detroit, Michigan, first time going out to visit with my grandfather, and, of course, I ended up cutting lawns uh, for the whole summer. The deal was, was that I wouldn't receive one paycheck until I got ready to get back on the plane to go back to San Antonio, Texas, <laughs> after the two-and-a-half months of the summer break. Now, again, I got on the plane. I had $300 to my name after cutting grass after all those years. I mean, after all those days. And I returned home with $300 in my pocket. Now, again, I understood the value of money because, obviously, I couldn't spend it until the last day that I was getting ready to get on the plane and that my grandfather gave it to me. So I, I kind of got that lesson pretty quickly. But I, I tell you what, that once just gravitating and then moving along, I found out my other passions was giving back to the community. I've worked with the Wondack County there in Kansas City. I also have an event in December. We'll be partnering with the Lupus Foundation, uh, the Priest Home Foundation. And, again, it's just always giving back. And if, if there's ever an opportunity for me to use uh, the things that I've done over the course of, of my life, uh, it's always to contribute to give back to the community. So looking forward to that. That's actually going to be during that the weekend that we're going to be celebrating Tony Gonzalez and his induction. Uh, and the night before he gets inducted, we'll be at the uh, stadium and we'll have a lupus uh, event and we'll re be raising funds for that research. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but either you are getting roasted or you're having a roast. What's going on? Are, are you, are you, now, 
What's up with that? No, so, so great. Yeah. So what's going to take place is that the Lupus Foundation, uh, they have events every year. They have a roast, and then they pick a particular person that they're going to roast, and obviously they've selected me. And <laughs> so this year, I will not be doing the roasting, uh, unlike last year where I roasted Eddie Kennison, uh, who was the one that, that was hosting the event. But this year, it's my turn to get roasted. Uh, definitely Coach Vermeil, Dante Hall. Uh, Barbershop, Sean Barber, oh, and gosh. some of the and some of some of the people that I played also uh, in Baltimore will be coming in town, and, and some of the guys from the University of Texas. So, gonna have a good list of people coming up, and uh, they'll get a chance anywhere from two to three minutes uh, to bring up some kind of crazy story about my past <laughs> and uh, have a good laugh that night, and also raise some money for yeah. the Lucas Foundation. Well, don't have thin skin because I just did it about four or five months ago, and it's a miserable experience. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's yeah, I heard it's very miserable, and you have to sit there until the very end before you can have anything else you know to respond or say to any, anyone so it'll be interesting i'm all for it uh it's all lighthearted. we'll have a good time and uh, again i appreciate you guys having me on I always love talking chiefs football and can't wait to get back up to kansas city all right priest we love having you back up here thanks so much for coming on here in kansas city everybody still loves you here and uh when you get in town let us know we'd love to have you on again so yeah, priest thanks a lot for coming on all buddy. Right, priest yep. Good talking to you again. Thank you. All right, that was Priest Holmes. We'll come back. We'll finish up a little bit, talk about New England. New England. Oh, boy. We'll be right back with Crunch Time. Kansas City's hometown sports station. Sports Radio 810 WHB. All right, welcome back to Crunch Time. And, Frank, a big game for the Kansas City Chiefs this Sunday night. Another primetime game. Oh, and by the way, yes. the Kansas City Chiefs will go primetime against the Cincinnati Bengals. Back to back. Primetime, primetime, primetime. Did, did th- you see the ratings? Three out of four primetimes. The ratings are way up for NFL football, and one of the reasons that they list is Patrick Mahomes. Patty Mahomes! Yeah, the Patrick that? Mahomes effect in the NFL. Wow. I'll tell you what, he's got an effect here in Kansas City. Yeah, he has. Big time, he big does. time. The big deal, I think, in this football game is the goat. Well, the goat, yeah, that guy. We well, that he is guy the goat. and and the goat. The goat. The other goat is the head coach. The two of them are the goats. Okay, but when you have the inside linebackers the Chiefs have that can't cover backside of the backfield, you have Tardif is now going to be missing on the offensive line, mm-hmm. and on the defensive side you got Justin Houston out. Bill Belichick will, you know, his offense coordinators, and he's a defensive genius. He is going to pick on every weak spot you got. And that's exactly – they're the three spots he's going after. He'll know now, without Justin Houston over there, he can concentrate on D. Ford because a lot of D. Ford's success has been because of Justin Houston. So we'll just have to see how they how they react and how Braylon Speaks react too. So we'll see. No, you're right. And, and what uh, what Belichick's going to do, obviously, and you, you hit it around the head when you're talking about backs on the backfield. The Chiefs have struggled big time with – Backs on the backfield, starting at Pittsburgh with Connor, and then rolling through Yeldon this week. Uh, this week uh, against Jacksonville, the defensive uh, linebackers have has struggled uh, getting out into the flat or getting out covering guys. And when they do getting out in space, they've had, they just don't they've have had, the speed. Yeah, they've had trouble connecting. But the other thing that they've had a lot of trouble with are what we call mesh patterns. And when mesh patterns are, they're basically what we call crossing patterns across the middle. And when you're playing man to man, which the Chiefs like to do, especially with their corners. They like to play man, so that means that the linebackers have to pass off guys. You, you, you kind of cut when – you, when you're playing man, linebackers kind of cut the field in half. 
And when a guy is on your half, obviously, you have him as he passes through that little zone. And once he gets past that half, the other linebacker's got to pick him up and make him, you know, they kind of pass off that man uh, mesh patterns. And you, what you're supposed to do is when one guy crosses, the other guy takes him. And the other guy crosses, the other guy takes him, if that makes any sense to you guys out there. And what's going on right now are guys are not passing guys off in these mesh patterns. And guys are running wide open, way too much space, way too many issues. And then the other thing is that the safeties – because we have some inexperienced guys, and you know, and even though Nelson is not an inexperienced guy, but a lot of times they're trying to cover for the corners that are playing man, which you know, obviously they're going against a pretty good wide receivers. That you know, they're not in the middle of the field, and a lot of times the the, the safety that's kind of up in the box has been getting sucked into different things and seeing different things. So you're right. What the what New England's going to try and do is a number one, they're going to get the back out of the backfield. Number two, they're going to run mesh pattern and see if the Chiefs can do it. And number three, they're going to take some shots down the field. Now, Tom Brady doesn't have the arm he used to have. No, but he picks and chooses pretty well. So he's gonna he's gonna throw the ball down the field five or six times, and when he does. He's going to hit those because he's not going to take any chances and, and just throw it because he wants to throw it. He's throwing it because he's got it. So those are the things that the Chiefs are going to have to worry about. And you're right. It's when you talk about Belichick, you talk about the defense. Now Patricia's gone, who is a heck of a defense quarter now in, D- in Detroit. But you're right. The one thing that the Chiefs have struggled with mightily uh, on the offensive line when guys are out, when they have the three guys in the middle – when they're they have okay. their three starters in the middle, they're okay. What they've struggled with, Frank, are, is is the games, the the TT stunts, the TE stunts, twists, stunts, movement, stem. They struggle with that because when the three guys are in there, they communicate pretty well. But when one guy's gone, and you remember last year when Morris was gone, they struggled in the middle of the pocket. Right. And then when Tardif was, I think, uh, who was it last year? There was another guy that was in who was gone. I can't remember who he was, but... Uh, it was a guy that starts with a W. I can't remember his name. He's not on the team anymore, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, they, you know, they they st- they struggle with that. So one of the things you're going to see is you're going to see the defense and the defensive coordinator a lot of twists, stunts, and games in the middle to see if the Chiefs can pick that up. Yeah, and, and I I think the most telling thing both from Andy Reid and from Patrick Mahomes. Now we're going to talk on uh, about the uh, New England defense. Is he Bill Belichick always gives you an unscouted look? You're going to see something that you've never seen before. And no matter how many times you play them or how much you've scouted this team, whatever, and he, he does it for your particular team, your particular skill set, who you got where. Everybody thinks they'll play zone, and they will bring they will just mix it up and try to really go after them. The last team that did this was Pittsburgh. I mean, Mike Tomlin threw everything he could possibly throw at Patrick Mahomes, and Mahomes was just up for every challenge. And that's the one thing Bill Belichick said. The kid – really knows the game. He really knows football. He really knows where to look. He knows how to get in and out of situations like that. That's what concerned them the most. But the thing Patrick Mahomes says, they will give us unscouted looks that we've never seen before. I'm sure Andy has already told him that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's one of the things that Andy Reid's going to have to make with those game time adjustments, which I think he's really good at. You're right. The, the New England Patriots are going to have what they call the flavor of the day blitz. And what that is, nobody knows. I mean, it could be as, as simple as just bringing the mic backer in the A-gaps. It could be four-week, four-strong. It could be safety coming off the edge. It could be the corners creeping up, coming off the edge. It could be, you know, a multiple uh, amount of different things. And he's going to have a flavor. He's going to have a look. He's going to have a, a blitz that they haven't seen. And, and he, he'll keep doing that until they stop it. He wants to see if this young kid and Andy Reid can make that adjustment uh, on the fly 
and and go with uh, and go with the plays that that they think that they can beat that. So it's a chess game, and you when you're playing with Andy Reid and 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 Belichick across from each other, you know, an offensive coach and a defensive coach, two of the finest coaches in the NFL, two of the finest coaches at making game time adjustments, they're going to test each other. This is more than just a football game with the the offense and the defense playing against each other. New England Patriot offense against the Kansas City Chief defense or vice versa. This is a game of the head coaches. They want to play against each other. They want to test each other. They want to they want to see if they can outwit the guy across. The big game of chess using those big football players out there is going to definitely be uh, in display uh, on Sunday night. It'll be really interesting to see the point counterpoint the adjustment. Uh, the the uh, uh, the on the fly uh, taking different packages and sticking them in and seeing what works. It's gonna be a lot of fun to see what the what the Chiefs and what the Patriots come up with. Yeah. Okay. And two questions for you. First one: How much did New England getting beat last year, opening day, getting the rings, get beat by the Kansas City Chiefs? How much does that factor into this football game? It factors in At for all? the factors in for the first series of the okay, game. Okay, that's it. Because this isn't college yeah, football where no. the coach, rah, 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 they beat us last year. Okay, so that that doesn't factor in, right? No, you I mean you, you you talk about it during the week. Yeah, we owe these guys, right. I and mean, they they. But as you know, you can't waste energy on, on that kind of stuff. You just really can't. And yeah, the first series of the game and the first couple plays of the game, you might have that hype just from you know payback or. Or, you know, listen, we're, we're going to get these guys because they beat us last year. But as the right. first quarter, second quarter goes on, you just kind of fall into you, you have a game plan. You're trying to execute that game plan. And the last thing you're thinking about is revenge. You're thinking about survival. Yeah. And th- th- that certainly comes in. It's a little bit different than college. College, and even college, I think maybe that stuff lasts maybe a little bit longer in college. But, you, you know, even I just watching that Virginia Tech-Notre Dame game last week, and Virginia Tech came into that, that, that welcome to the Sandman or whatever they yeah. play, and it was, that place was rocking. It was like crazy, and it was loud, and, and it was, like, intimidating. But as the game progresses, it just becomes the two teams playing against each other. All yeah. that other stuff kind of goes to the wayside. Yeah, absolutely. And, you, you know, the fact that this is a team, now this will factor in, this is a team, whether you're looking at New England or Kansas City, that at the end of the year could end up meaning difference between home field advantage or not. And that is that is a big factor. Absolutely. And when you look at these teams, listen, I don't care what New England's record is. They're still the best team in the AFC. They just are. They have the best. Till you the, beat the champ. Absolutely. They have the best coaching staff, and they have the best quarterback probably in the history of the NFL on their team. Agree with that. So this is a really good football team. I don't care what their record is. And they're at home, and this is a really, really difficult game for the Chiefs. But these are the games you want to play. Patrick Mahomes, in order for him to be great, you got to play against the great teams. In order for him to be great, you have to match up against the greatest of all time. This is a great opportunity for Patrick Mahomes. Listen, we we hope that he lives up to the billing and is able to go out there and do the things that he's been able to do. But you got to remember, he's going against the greatest of all time. I remember when young quarterbacks would – you know, match up against Joe Montana. We'd go out on the field, and you'd watch the the young quarterbacks, and the young quarterbacks back then were, you know, Manning and those kind of guys. You'd watch them, and they would be in awe. They would be in awe looking across the field and watching, and almost to the fact where they almost wanted to walk up and get an autograph from Joe Montana and this the other team's quarterbacks because they, they looked up to him so much. So you're going to have a little bit of that with Patrick Mahomes this week. I mean, he's 
listen, he grew up watching this guy too. He probably played with him on on Madden and oh, said, yeah? "Hey, I want to be, I want to <laughs> be exactly Tom right. Brady." So you know, it's one of those things where it's the greatest of all time, and he's gonna have an opportunity to play against him, which make, is gonna make him a better player. I got a really bad stat for you. Ready? Yeah. Last ten quarterbacks with ten or fewer starts are 0 for 10 versus New England. And that's part of it because, yeah. I mean, it's just that big old shadow that is cast by the GOAT, Tom Brady, yeah. that really just eats you up. And that, especially on the road, you know, you're, you're, you're going against the best of all time. Now, if any quarterback can buck that trend, it's Patrick Mahomes because he's really got the moxie and the mindset to be able to do that. But you got to that, – that shadow is real, and you can see that in that stat. All right, we don't have much time left. Give me a little – What's going to happen? How is this going to oh, unfold? Gosh. Well, you know what, listen, the, the Chiefs are 5-0. and If I would have said uh, they were 5-1 and in the beginning of the year or in the summer, people would have thought I was crazy. I, I'm never – until Mahomes gets beat, I'm not betting against him. <laughs> so I, I, I'm going to say 35-31 uh, Chiefs. But it could easily be the other way. You know, this is going to be just like your stats said. The, the, this is a tough game for this team. You're going on the road. You're 5-0, and oh, things are feeling good, and you're going against the greatest of all time quarterback in, in, the, in his own house. So it's going to be tough, but it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and it, it's pretty interesting because they've been on primetime before. He's been on primetime already this season. Yeah. So, and I, I think he – I don't know. I don't think – it doesn't appear to me that he's feeling the weight of all this because, you know, he's one of the factors that pro football ratings are up on the TV and everything that's been thrust upon him, he – really does insulate and isolate himself. So I don't think the stage is going to be too big for him. Right. And I really think he's just going to be so fired up, it's just going to be incredible for him. Once yeah, you know what? Andy Reid's done a really good job of keeping this kid focused and keeping him kind of under control, and I expect to see that again this week. I expect to see Andy Reid walking over to the bench and sitting down with him and talking and, yeah. and saying, hey, listen, what's that Belichick throwing at us? And, you know, what do you want to do? What do you see out there? What can we do? How do you feel about this, this, or that? And that relationship is going to really go a long way uh, in this game. It, this is a huge game for the Kansas City Chiefs. But you know what? It's just the next game. Yeah. It's just the next one. Yeah, I mean, it's in New England. It's against Tom Brady, but it's just the next game. So I think that the Chiefs need to go in with that mindset. Yeah, really, and just do it one at a time because they know everybody's already projecting. Well, if they beat New England, they can beat Cincinnati. They, like, almost have home field wrapped up before the end of October. <laughs> yeah. And I know there's a lot more season to go, and that's not the way you can think about it. All right, Frank. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, it's so far so good for the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, and really the defense stood up this week and, and played well. They're going to have to play well again uh, as this game comes on. But I'm looking forward to watching this game on Sunday night, and, and I know we have a big game tonight with the Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles. That's going to be good. coming up right here after we're done with the show. You're right, just in a few minutes. All right, well, it was a lot of fun talking to the Kansas City Chiefs. You've been listening to Crunch Time.